You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds, that's K-N-O-W-S bleeds, on Instagram at the nosebleeds, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the new Nosebleeds podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. I got a new co-host with me, Mr. Corey Johnson. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good to be here. Good to be here. Yes, indeed. Let's get it. And you already know, it's your boy. What is up, y'all? It is Kush Parikh, and we are back and revamped. And let's get this started with this first little episode, little quarantine madness episode. Um, But actually, before we start that, we're going to do a new thing. It's called On This Day in Sports History. So on May 28th, Barry Bonds passed Mr. Babe Ruth himself in 2006 with a 715th career home run. So uh, Barry Bonds moved up number two all time right behind Hank Aaron. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Barry Bonds, man, like one of the best, if not regarded as the best home run hitter. I mean, what a big moment, obviously, for him. But, I mean, uh, Barry Bonds, definitely a legend in my eyes, for sure. Whether, you know, steroids or not. Still not in the Hall of Fame, though. That's a big I mean, that's always going to be a controversial thing. But, like, I mean, Barry Bonds is always going to be considered a legendary hitter, steroids or not. I mean, I think anybody who's played, like, the game knows that for sure. 100%. All right, so let's talk about the main topic and probably going to be the topic for the entire episode, and that's what's (laughs) been going on right now with COVID-19 and its effects on professional sports. So, um, actually, recently, four of the biggest states when it comes to sports in the U.S., um, California, Texas, New York, and Florida, all said they're on the verge of returning back to pro sports. So that's a huge step forward. California said in early June, so that's coming up in the next two weeks. Texas said May 31st. uh, New York is already allowing – teams to hold their training camps and then florida said that his, the florida's governor said that they're gonna start it up pretty soon so i mean when you take into consideration how many major pro sports teams are in these states that's a huge so what are your thoughts on that returning to play um well obviously i think like sports has just been one of those things that everybody can kind of rely on as far as like a distraction from whatever they got going on in life and as far as it not being around, like it's obviously been an impact because um, just like a few days ago, uh, like I saw like a post that was talking about like the, I believe like the Western conference finals would just be the, the conference finals for the NBA would be just wrapping up like right now. So as a, as a shed a tear, I know know, like, so it's, it's just, it's just kind of like everybody's kind of feeling that impact, but um just like the way like sports got hit, um, especially like how everything kind of like shut down, it all happened. Like it felt like in a blink of an eye, like this whole thing pretty much kind of started like 
with the whole Rudy Gobert um, thing and with him coming with, with it being revealed that he tested positive and then like the domino effect just happened immediately. Like NBA all of a sudden starts shutting down, stopping games, NHL. And then like from that point on, everybody just slowly but surely stopped with every single sort of, uh, with every with everything like with, with as far as games with as far as facilities like everything just started being closed and shut down because nobody wanted to be putting themselves at risk or putting players or whoever at risk and it was just too much of a risk um so i just think honestly for this news to be coming out um i kind of have mixed feelings on it because even though like it's only been like a couple of months and I know like this, it depends on who you talk to. Like uh, people have been saying like there's been good news and things have been like kind of meddling out. And, um, but at the same time, other people are saying like, yeah, we should still be a lot more cautious and still should stop with like, as far as letting things open up. But I think that um, personally, I, 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 I would, I want to see sports, but I don't want anybody to put themselves in harm's way. Like, I don't want uh, to risk anybody's safety or risk anybody's well-being for my entertainment. So if that means that I, I have to be without sports for the remaining of 2020, so be it. But I want to make sure that everything is A-OK before people just start immediately going right back into playing games. Right. I mean, and you also have to think about this from perspective of, like you said, safety, but also for players that are not getting paid the big bucks. Like, let's say you're not thinking about the Mike Trouts, the the LeBron James, the Russell Wilsons, the guys who are getting paid the biggest bucks. You're thinking about the guys also at the bottom that are, I mean, still getting paid well off rather than all of us. Like, they're still making six figures, but they're still trying to make a living. And, like, sports is how they live, whether like, whether it's um, their bread maker, whether it's their actual entertainment or whether that's, that's their life in general. So, I mean, I think it safety is a huge thing. And we've been seeing that the Bundesliga in Germany, they've started their games back and the amount of traction that that gained about, Oh my God, sports is back. Or even when we talk about the match, the golf uh, little game between yeah 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 tom brady and yeah, tom brady uh, Peyton Peyton Manning Manning and uh tiger phil mickelson woods. and yeah. tiger woods yeah right that had six million views so i mean people are itching for sports back and like and it's crazy because you have obviously you have betters who that's their living they live oh yeah yeah they're like they're like the crackheads of sports like they need they need their bets in and stuff like that <laughs> but um yeah no doubt so i mean nascar i didn't think nascar would get I mean, I'm not personally a NASCAR fan. Like, I'm not huge on it. But NASCAR had a huge uh, turnout when it came to viewership. And then also... Yeah, the even, last- like, even, like, WWE and, uh, like, UFC. UFC, like, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, and even, the, like, people were itching for just the Michael Jordan documentary. Like, just something about sports. It doesn't even have to be live, but something about sports. So, I mean... It does I'm something cool. to people, man. It really does. Like, it's just, like away like because like competition i think it's 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 just it especially like with the documentary like it puts you in the perspective of wanting to compete like everybody at some stage or another has had to compete for something like it doesn't even have to necessarily be sports but you had to like compete for a promotion or you had to compete for um you know 
maybe like you wanted the best grade in your class or like, you know, something like that. Everybody has had to compete at some level or another. And so like that, just, just seeing famous, uh, you know, or, or star studded athletes or, you know, any, like, even like at, at like smaller levels, like high school or middle school or whatever, like just seeing individuals compete and just seeing who wants it more or seeing who's willing to put themselves to greater lengths more it just does something to people that like nothing else can duplicate what sports does. Yeah. And I think, like you said, the competitiveness, but I think also there's a huge art of storytelling, whether like not even just a documentary, but seasons themselves. Like you see those teams that have their Cinderella seasons that can make or break a franchise. And you also have those teams like that may have so much hype coming into a season, but don't live up to the hype. So it's like, it's an art of storytelling as well with these sports that keep us so entertained. So I think yeah, that's, and then that's like, a huge like, thing that people are missing. Yeah, just like to piggyback off that, like um, like with the storytelling thing, like the characters that you get, like even like looking at like, you know, going back to the last dance, like just think about how many different characters you had. Like obviously the main attraction was Michael Jordan, but you had Scottie Pippen in there. You had Dennis Rodman, like who you could, like they had a documentary on Rodman by itself and like that the crazy stuff that was in there is amazing in itself but you also have uh they they talked about steve kerr they talked about phil jackson they talked about jerry Krause, the gm they 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 went across the board full up and down front office head coach players on the court they went through and through through that whole entire team and talked about what it was pretty much like throughout michael jordan's tenure with the chicago bulls right um, well, when we're talking about sports coming back, potentially there is, it's for sure going to start without fans. There's going to be no spectators in attendance at the games and that's for sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons for that. So let's talk about the pros and cons of having fans in an arena or a stadium or wherever it may be for these sports games. Uh, let's start with, uh, the pros. I personally the pros of not having fans, it helps the sports move on. Because if we have to have fans, we're not getting sports until 2021, I believe. So, I mean, it, it allows pro sports to go on without further delay. It keeps players and staffs of the organization obviously safer. And a lot of people are talking about maybe the losses of the stadium revenue or like concessions and stuff like that. But if you think about it, the TV revenues will go up insanely. And I feel like that's how most leagues make most of their money is because so many people are consuming games through media platform, whether that's a tablet, whether that's ESPN, whether it's that's through CBS or whatever online or device that you're using to watch it online. So, I mean, like, like we said, the, the match, the last dance, all of them had North of 6 million, 10 million views. And I think since people just want sports back so much, they are willing to watch anything. And I think the revenue will definitely be made up in, uh, in, television viewership yeah i agree like the the pros of it um without a doubt is going to be the fact that you're going to see like es- like just ridiculous amounts of viewership via um whether it's uh television whether it's social media whether it's um whatever everybody's going to be tuning in because everybody's going to want some sort of you know distraction from COVID 19 the cons of it though is like you touched on it a little bit but like like nobody really thinks about it. And like, I, I wasn't even thinking about it myself until like I was seeing like news stories about it. But 
nobody thinks about those vendors or nobody thinks about those people that like sell like the hot dogs or sell like um or like just like the guys who like clean up the stadiums like nobody really thinks about the fact that they are missing out on so much revenue right now and like they are missing out on like their whole entire like that whole market of like job is suffering hugely because nobody's going to be in the seats there's going to be no butts in the seats whatsoever so i mean people like talk about like the pros and cons of i mean even before COVID 19 people would talk about the pros and cons of going to a game versus being able to be at home i mean obviously when you're at home you can kick back you can relax you can you don't like if, if the game's like a blowout or whatever or it's not entertaining you can turn to something else you don't have to just sit there and just watch um, you don't have to worry about parking because, I mean, there's been some situations where if you've gone to certain stadiums, their parking is terrible. But Terrible and uh, expensive. Oh, yeah, ridiculously expensive. And so, like, like I said, but it's just something about being there when something crazy happens. Like, I remember uh, – this wasn't even, like, on a pro level, but I remember being at a college game and it went into four overtimes. And the fact that it went into those four overtimes, like I stayed the whole entire game and it just didn't seem like nobody wanted to leave. Like everybody was engaged because everybody wanted to know if the home team, like the home fans wanted to know, like, was their team going to win? And obviously like, you know, the traveling fans, you know, they want, they wanted to, to stick around because, you know, they got to see like if, if their team wins, you know, cause that's just like a big time moment to experience, you know, four overtimes. That's pretty much two games <laughs> dang near in itself. So um, just those type of moments, you, you, you feel really like, really just like hindsight 2020 moment. Like you kind of feel like, dang, like you kind of miss being in the arena, in the stadium or in the gym or whatever, and it's kind of like, dang, you might miss out on actually seeing like some craziness or like a special moment that you never expected to happen. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, the Dolphins president and CEO, Tom Garfinkel, he kind of pitched this idea about, yeah, we're not going to have fans at first, but eventually as things start to get better, what if we have quote unquote social distant fans in stadiums? And that's maybe you have 65,000 fans and you tone that down to 15,000 because you want them seated separately. Or like he was saying that they would be coming in from a certain gate, a designated gate and have them spaced out. And I mean, it wouldn't be a complete loss. And plus, like you said, for all the workers, the concession workers, the the ticket people, everybody like that, all the cleaners, um, like they still have a job, like there's still a need for those jobs and they would get paid. So, I mean, that's definitely something that, the NFL will look at and maybe other leagues uh, will look at as well. So that's something very interesting to look at as well. Let's move on to some of the topics that we have, which is NHL. We don't talk about the NHL a lot on the nosebleeds, but they're trying, they're making strides that is uh, potentially shaking up the sports world. Um, oh yeah. 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 They we got to talk that, about uh, this. We got to talk about this. <laughs> they said that the season, if the season returns, that they will immediately start in the playoffs. They're not going to finish out the regular season. But instead of the 16 teams that they normally have, they're going to have 24 teams out of the 32 teams. So that means only eight teams aren't making it, and an extra eight is making it. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, like, the way that the NHL is – 
um, doing their playoff system, um, they're going to take the four best teams of each conference, uh, East, West, and they'll play like a round robin between themselves to determine seating. And then the remaining teams, uh, five through 12, will pretty much duke it out in a best of five qualifying round series. So to me, that's interesting because if you think about it, like you could have a matchup of, let's just say for instance, in the Eastern conference for the NHL right now, you'll have the Penguins versus the Canadians. Now the Penguins are the fifth seed and the Canadians are are the 12th seed. Let's say for instance, the, the Canadians upset the Penguins that would be completely shocking and, and and they would move on and no one would see that coming. So, I mean, like the matchups that you can have and like the things that you can have um, are good. I guess I don't understand. I guess I don't feel like the round Robin per se would be necessary. Why not just have the, whoever was in like first place or like the, 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 the way that the standings were, just leave it the way it is to determine seating. Cause I don't feel like it's necessarily fair. If like a team was in first place, like the Boston Bruins are in first place for uh, the Eastern conference. I don't see like it being necessarily fair for them to have to like, you know, duke it out with the other teams. It's like, why not just have like the, 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 the four teams, like they get like pretty much like a buy. A first like, round buy. Yeah. Like a first round buy. And then like everybody else, but it is an interesting idea. I mean, um, and then also when you think about it, like these players have had like a long layoff. So you're immediately jumping straight into the postseason. And I'm expecting there to be a lot of sloppy play, a lot of terrible mis, uh, misplays and miscues. And I mean, on paper, what might look like an upset really honestly won't because it's a neutral stock. It's, it's going to obviously be neutral site because they're going to be playing in hub cities. So East uh, will play in, in like an East regions and the West will play in the e- in the West region. And so it's interesting, man. But at the same time, I just, I just don't think that the round Robin is necessary per se. Yeah, I would, I, I agree, but I'm this whole 24 teams in general, I'm not really a big fan of it, but because I feel like it kind of, diminishes the teams that you know grinded harder in the regular season yeah because there's, there's gonna teams. be a yeah there's gonna be a lot of teams that have uh under 500 records that are gonna that's be what i'm saying so it's playoffs. like if, if other top teams knew about this they could have potentially rested their star players even more or whatever the case may be that way that they know that okay we're already securing a playoff spot we don't have to worry about it per se and I feel like also it's just like not as big as an achievement saying like, oh, okay, we made the playoffs this team. Oh yeah. So did eight other teams that weren't supposed to make it kind of a thing. So it's like, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, you if you put it in perspective of uh, the NBA, um, just putting it in perspective of the NBA right now, um, you would have teams like the Knicks would be in the playoffs right now. <laughs> like the I'm New sorry, York just, Knicks would be in the playoffs right now. Like that would be, the most funniest thing if and the I New York Knicks. I guarantee you would were not able... hear the end of it from New York Knicks fans. It's yeah. like, okay, come on. The down. Knicks would be in the playoffs if the NBA decided to adopt with, this, with their this 10 power format. forwards on their rosters. Their 10 power forwards that, and centers that, on their That rosters. would be just like the, the most entertaining thing. And like just to see 
that happened. But but like you said, like I think it kind of somewhat devalues um the playoffs but then again like if you were still technically in the hunt for a playoff spot and you could have maybe got in who knows you know like there was like still like I believe like a few games left in the seat in the regular season for the NHL so right who knew what could have happened so and and so this kind of like allows them that opportunity to say like oh if you felt like you should like you could have made it well here's your opportunity Right. And I feel like that's a huge controversy in the NBA right now as well. So, I mean, you you're, you just talked about the Knicks potentially being in the playoffs if they adopted this system. So, I mean, I personally don't think it would bode well for the NBA if this, they adopted this this uh, system of the I playoffs. Mean, I mean, I, I feel like players and teams would players and teams of the of the higher seeds would not agree to it. But guys like maybe Damian Lillard, because I know like Damian Lillard came out the other day and he said, if this is how the matchups are going to be, one through eight east, one through eight west, whatever the case may be, and the Trailblazers are out, he's like, I don't need to return this season. What is there? What is the need for me to return and possibly risk injury if I'm not playing for anything anymore? So, I mean, that's, that's a huge True. thing that a lot of players are talking about right now. So, and I don't even know if the fans would agree to this, like because of what you just said, the Knicks making the playoffs. Like, do fans really want to? That see would that? be the funniest thing, honestly. I think a lot of people would be making so many memes about like, because uh, like, I correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I believe the Knicks were trying to tank in order to get like a better draft pick, but. If Nobody they knows ended up, what the Knicks are doing. Well, I mean, if they now. ended up getting into the playoffs, it would just be like, yo, you can't even – you're trying to tank and then, like, the NBA allows you to get into the playoffs. Well, that's what they were trying to do last year. They were supposed to have the number one pick in the draft and the whole lottery didn't work changed out. this didn't year. Work and, yeah. And didn't so, even get it. So, yeah. So that was, that was so, a I mean, shit but show yeah, for the, the Knicks I mean, right not there. Even, not even to, like, just rag on the Knicks, but, like, it would just be, like, so entertaining just to see, like, the reaction of, like, the rest of the league if they – if like so the NHL I think like them adopting this system um is going to be interesting because like playoff hockey is just like it's supposed to be a different level but with so much layoff and so much time going by um the fact that they decided to just jump straight into the playoffs is going to be really intense and really it's just going to be like really interesting to see like how these guys are going to be able to like just jump straight in for like what a two, three month layoff of no hockey. So. Right. And so, I mean, that's not the only, I mean, that's potentially an NBA, uh, idea that NBA could adopt, but I think the one that they've most been talking most about is having the playoff seated one through 16. So it's still going to be, eight and eight teams from the east and west but instead of having one through eight seated in each conference it's just going to be one through 16 throughout the entire nba and i've been personally wanting this idea for a very long time because i feel like to have the best record in the nba is more incentivizing because like if you have the best record in the league but you're still playing an eight seed that could be like let's say the lakers end up with a with the number one seed with the best record in the league but they still have to play someone like the pelicans who were injured, but they just got, they just got good. They got Zion back. They're finally rolling. And now they may or may not have trouble in the first round kind of a thing. But whereas if it was one through 16, the Lakers would be playing the Orlando magic, which would be a lot easier than playing the Pelicans or something like that. This is all just hypothetical, but the, I I've been personally wanting this. Um, and 
there's actually some very intriguing matchups that would happen if it went one through 16. Uh, some of them are the number eight seed Heat versus number nine seed OKC. I think that's that's a very even matchup. Uh, OKC, nobody, not even myself, expected them to be in the playoff race. Oh, yeah. When they, made that the trade, when they made that trade for Chris Paul, I was thinking that they were pretty much kind of just hoping for the best and yeah, trying just to just stack dice. up. Yeah, just rolling dice and just hoping to get draft picks at that yeah. point. But, I mean, they, sure. they really they really um, got themselves a squad. Like, they kind of remind me of uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets of a, a couple of seasons ago because nobody really expected them to make the playoffs either. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were able to really give the – the Sixers are a little bit of a fight in that first round last year, but I just feel like um, one through 16 is something that fans have been kind of have been, have been saying would be amazing because of the matchups, but it was never ever going to materialize because travel issues, obviously. But now that you take away the travel issues and you just have one location for where all games are going to be one or maybe two locations where all games are going to potentially be played, it kind of incentivizes and makes you think like, why not just go ahead and just do that? Because then it creates more entertainment value and it creates. And then when you think about it, winning a championship where you had to maybe face against a lot tougher opponents, maybe you look at that as maybe valuing it higher than almost any other championship, uh, uh that any other team has gone through because it's like yeah like some teams have just been able to have like pretty much easy rides and that's no fault of theirs but like sometimes when you have to go through like two or three really good teams on your path that's just to get to the finals and mm-hmm. then you win the finals like it almost like puts more of an appreciation on you being able to 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 do that because you can really say like hey we we had to actually like fight and compete so yeah, and I think also this would be an this would make an opportunity for two teams to meet in the finals that are from the same conference. And I think the biggest thing that everyone's thinking about is Lakers Clippers potentially in a finals matchup, the battle for LA. So, oh I mean, yeah, like, that would be Kawhi, a hell of a series. I mean, yeah, you just think about it, like Kawhi versus LeBron, and you just have that matchup. Yeah, that's absolutely going to be really entertaining. Uh, if they if that was the the NBA finals. Uh, that would definitely be uh, something that the NBA would definitely try to push for because you would have like two of those teams, high market uh, in LA. Um, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. That would be a really good uh, matchup in the finals. But I think it would also, the way it's seated right now, I think it would also change the difficulty of getting to the finals. Like for the Lakers, I feel like it would make it easier since they're in the second seed, they would have to play probably the Raptors as the hardest team. And then the first round, they'd be playing the Nets, which Kyrie and KD both said they're not, they're doubtful for returning this season. So, I mean, they're going through the Nets and then they would go through either the Nuggets Pacers or the Raptors and, um, or Grizzlies. And then I forgot the other matchup, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's – oh, Jazz and Rockets. So, I mean, it's a lot easier when you think about it. They don't have to go through the Clippers. They don't have to go through – you know, in, in the Western Conference, in order to get to the finals, their hardest team, I would say, would probably be the Raptors or the Rockets, if that, which they can easily, I think – no, I wouldn't say easily, but they can definitely take on. Rather, when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that has dominated all season long, they've, they've put on a show against the Celtics, against the Sixers. Like, they've done great against those teams, but now – 
if you look at it, they now have to go against the Clippers. They now have to go against maybe OKC or the Heat. And, you know, like now it's a tougher path for them to get to the finals. So, yeah. I mean, that kind yeah, of – And almost in a way, like, would devalue, like, all that hard work, which is why the NBA's other idea of having potentially a World Cup type of uh, setup – I think would be very interesting. So the NBA is, di- is is thinking of having a group stage set up of five tiers and there will be four groups of five teams. Everybody would play each other twice. Top two teams would move on. And there's even rumors that the, the, the teams that have like the best records, I believe that's the Bucks, the Lakers, Raptors, Clippers, would be able to just would be able to select which teams are in their group, and maybe you could even have a draft, like similar to like how they do with the All Star Game. You could have like each team decide like, okay, we want to have this team in our group or this team in our group, and it would almost kind of strategize the the playoffs in a way. What do you think about that? So I I, lo- I actually love the idea of the World Cup. Um format i think it's something and again back to the pros and cons of uh sports not having spectators and everyone's gonna have viewership i think it allows leagues like the nba to experiment with new ideas such as this format and i think this is huge because there's something i remember they were talking last season about some mid-season tournament that wasn't gaining a lot of traction from fans or players too. But I mean, if you do something like this, like if you think about it, like UEFA's Champions League or Europa League, like stuff like that, this is exactly what they're doing. They're taking the top teams and putting them kind of in a tournament, but like a group stage at first and then play out in a tournament. So I think that's something that the NBA definitely wants to do. Maybe this they could move it towards the middle of the season if it is successful when they try it this time. But I personally like it. I don't like the idea about the top, tiers picking their teams i feel like it should all be randomly generated through a draw exactly how the champions league is done as well and then yeah 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 i think like if anything if anything if any team should have a a selection um i guess like it it should be the number one seat just because like if if you have like the number one seat ending up in like you know how there's always like a group of death in like you know the world cup like let's say for instance, like the Bucks ended up in like a tier of uh, the Celtics, Rockets, and the Spurs. Like what the heck? Like like that's some, that that that'd be like yo, how we get all these tough teams? How yeah. do we get all these tough teams in our group? So I mean, if any if any team should be in, in should be given that that right it should be the team that has the best record after you know before everything shut down and that was the milwaukee bucks because you know you earn that right you earn that privilege so they should be able to decide which teams are in their group and then you could have like you said like the the draw for everybody else to decide where they end up which i think would be a really good idea yeah i mean looking at these that this um the possible group stage that they're talking about that'd be 20 teams so it wouldn't even be all of the 30 teams which is again a pro and a con because pro it's less likely to spread COVID-19 and to keep uh, staff members and uh, the coaching staff and players safer if you have 10 less teams and on top of that um, the, the cons of it is other players would kind of be like okay that's not really fair how come we weren't choose 
to be a part of it. Oh, it's based off a regular season record like before. So, I mean, there's a lot of wishy-washy kind of, oh, I should have been there. I shouldn't have been there. Oh, I'm not going to get paid. Or am I, am I like, even though I'm not in it, am I still going to get paid my entire salary for the season, even though I'm not playing the full 82 games per se? So there's a lot of that controversy right there. But I think, I think this would be a, a dope idea. I think the, the traction that it's gained from fans, this idea, it's been doing really well. So maybe the NBA takes into account that the fans are interested in something like this and maybe they put it in to fruition and actually do this group stage and maybe a tournament at the end with the top eight teams. Yeah, I think, but um, televising like some sort of like, whether it's a draw or a draft that would just cement, like, I think that would get everybody excited because then all of a sudden it's like the lottery, but even better because you're, this is pretty much, this would pretty much be like a lottery for playoff teams. And so, like, you would pretty much be able to see, like, okay, which teams are we about to get or, like, which team, like, you know, every, like, you know, whatever, regardless of what team or if you're just, like, you know, a basketball fan, you get to see and get to ponder, like, all the different matchups and get to wonder about, like, oh, what if this team ends up here? Or what if this team's end up there? Or what if the uh, this team has to play that team? Like, it, it, like, you start to just think about all the different types of matchups. But, um I would not be mad at all if the NBA somewhat mixed in the NHL's uh, like qualifying round. Like if they had like, let's say for instance, they did like a a best of five sort of thing with like um, five through 12. And then like, you know, gave a, gave like, if they, if they did the NHL idea, like, I think that'd be interesting too, because one of the matchups that I would definitely be interested in seeing is, um, I believe it is the Grizzlies going up against the Portland Trailblazers, like Dame versus Ja Morant, rookie of the year versus Damian Lillard. I mean, that would just be such a dope, like, and then you got like this young Grizzlies team, this hungry Grizzlies team, in a similar situation as the the Trailblazers who have been like that team these past few years that have kind of like been in the hunt to do something but never really have gone anywhere and have been usually just getting either knocked out in the first or the second round. But I would just really would love to see that matchup between those two teams going at each other and see who comes out on top. Yeah, like you were saying, um, the, uh, that was also another I mean there's so many ideas for the NBA's to try out and another idea was kind of that wild card format play in for the last couples because obviously what the, the NBA season ended at March 11th and the actual season doesn't end till April 15th yeah. or something like that yeah, so that's right. still a whole month of games and if you think about it the Grizzlies were the eighth seed the Trailblazers, Pelicans, and Kings were all three and a half games behind the Grizzlies. So, I mean, that's definitely an opportunity that could have been there for any of those teams to jump to that eighth seat. So, I think a play-in, like a wild card play-in, kind of how they have in baseball, is definitely one of the options that they have as well. They were also talking about this when they were talking about the midseason tournament uh, at the beginning of this year. So, something like that, again, like you said, trailblazers versus grizzlies that would be and if it's if this is deemed playoff times a wild card dame is a bad man dame is a bad man in the playoffs so he 
I mean, I mean, Russell Westbrook had to learn that the hard way. Russell Westbrook and Paul George, yeah. Yeah, they had to learn that the hard way. Oh, but look, man. but look at them now. Westbrook's on the on the Rockets. The Thunder still have a better record than them. I know. Like, who would have thought? I know. And then, like, you look at uh, PG and the Clippers have kind of been like up and down all season right. long, trying to like find their their rhythm. So it's just so many different matchups, and like whatever the NBA decides, I think they kind of have a better feel um, of their audience more so than the NHL. So I'm confident that the NBA's format, whatever it is, obviously it hasn't been announced yet, but I think it'll be a lot more entertaining because it'll just get fans, you know, very much geared up to, to, to see what they come up with. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and also the NBA is already making moves or steps forward to returning to play, but they're having training camps or, or they're sorry, their training facilities are open. Um, at first it was only like two players could be in at certain hours kind of at a time. And, but now they're starting to get more and more players together to actually practice with one another. Um, and another league that is going to start doing that is the NFL. NFL coaches were just announced that they will be returning to training facilities as soon as next week. So that's, it's a big thing. And then also they were also saying NFL mini camps should be starting up as early as June 15th and as late as June 27th. So that's within two weeks or a month. So that's some big news right there. Yeah. Because like everybody knows like those off season workouts, like I was watching uh, this clip on Instagram of this, uh, this high school football player. And he was like being interviewed after his team had got knocked out of uh, the playoffs. And he was talking about how like, with football, the season is like so quick. Like it's 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 just so fast. Like you blink and then like done. But you don't pay attention or like like fans and like the media they don't take into account that mini camp, training camp, off season workouts, um, you know, preseason. Those those are the times where the chemistry builds. And that's the time where you start to form bonds and relationships and get close with your teammates. And that's when you start to see the trust factor come in. And like the same thing with the front office, like as they're like trying to figure out like cuts and like trying to see like who should stay on the roster, like the team in itself is trying to formulate chemistry and trying to formulate a bond and Obviously, quarterbacks are trying to work with their wide receivers and trying to make sure that everything's working. So th- this is like a very important time where guys are going to have to uh, take hold of it. And, and pretty much the teams that are are willing to put in the most work with each other, I think are definitely going to benefit from being able to from right off the gate, as soon as they're able to get into those facilities, have an advantage over uh other teams around the league I definitely would say that the NFL is one of the busiest off seasons when it comes to like their training camps or mini camps there and I think actually the biggest um players that this affects is the rookies themselves coming into the NFL because this right, right these mini camps are a time for them to learn a whole new offense to learn a playbook to to like you said build chemistry with their teammates and not only that it's for the undrafted free agents that have come into the league and proved themselves to these coaches and to these teams and letting them know that they can play you look at the James Harrisons that have come into this league undrafted I mean there's countless of people that have made a name for themselves start and it starts at rookie uh mini camps so I mean this is huge 
step for the rookies then they need to prove themselves and also not even for the rookies I think this is just a huge step for the NFL to to for a scheduled start of the NFL season but one big thing was that the NFL Players Association president JC Treader who's the Brown Center said that the union would need to agree to plans first before their any steps are moved forward so oh yeah of course so the, like, obviously the NFL, they don't want to have a situation with like you know uh, Major League Baseball, where like the players' union is pretty much at odds with uh, uh, MLB, so like right. the league and the players' association have to be on the same page, and everybody pretty much needs to know that this is like the procedure and this is how things are going to work, and you know, just so that everybody stays safe and everybody is able to go about their daily uh, routines. Right. Right. All right, well, let's talk about um, some NFL offseason drama that's been going on. In <laughs> Countless crazy. drama. League yeah. don't stop, man. The crazy. league does not stop. Crazy drama. Um, so let's start off first with the New York Jets. Or you could, oh, call them, you could probably call them the New York Ravens with the amount of Ravens players they're signing. <laughs> you got CJ Mosley, you got Alex yep. Lewis, Patrick Owasu. Um, yeah. Joe Flacco now. Oh, yeah, Joe Flacco just recently signed, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, might as well be the Baltimore Jets or the New York uh, Ravens. I mean, might as well. But, but uh, Jamal Adams, there's uh, speculation that he might be traded. So, it doesn't look like the Jets are willing to pay Jamal Adams anytime soon, and he wants to be paid, like, right now. But, obviously, the Jets don't want to pay him with all this COVID situation. They want to see how things kind of pan out when it comes to the league, and then maybe they'll – give them that contract extension but if I'm Jamal Adams I'm one of the best safeties in the league if not the best safety in the league and I want probably the best player on his team that's what I'm saying <laughs> and, and I want my money right now like why wait kind of a thing so of course I mean, especially he, like when you don't know what the what's future gonna happen exactly, exactly yeah yeah so and I think and Jamal Adams this isn't new to him he was a part of trade rumors a lot during last year's trade deadline um so I mean if if he doesn't get an extension soon, he may not even be a part of the Jets this coming season. Um, and Eddie Jackson, and he wants to obviously be the highest paid safety in the league, rightfully so. And the highest paid right now is Eddie Jackson of the Bears, who is set to make $14.6 million this upcoming season. So if you are the GM of the Jets, are you paying Jamal Adams to be the highest paid safety in the league? Well, first of all, like when we even talk about Jamal Adams, uh, beyond the things that he can do on the field, the first thing I always think about is when that one time where he tried to get into the facility and like his car wouldn't mm. work. He was like, dang, they Damn, traded they me. They cut, yeah, they cut me already. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yo, that. I guarantee like if, the, if they do trade him, you can definitely see that clip floating around several different times. Like, Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be out there if somebody's going to make a meme out of that. But, uh, but nah, like um, – Whenever I see this in professional sports with the uh, the contract situation, um, the the I try to always look at it from both perspectives. Now, obviously, um, I'm not a billionaire, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not in charge of a multi million dollar corporation or anything like that. But at the same time, I I see it from the team perspective, whereas like you don't want to overextend by paying a ton of money to a guy who is a key guy for you, but a position in safety where 
if you're if you're making him the highest paid safety in the league, do you at the same time have enough room to maybe try to you know help out on your offensive line because we all know Sam Darnold been seeing ghosts out there. <laughs> Sam Darnold been seeing some ghosts out there, so that man is going to need some help on the old line. So there's a lot of different issues with the Jets and. This Jamal Adams situation, I don't know if this helps him out, but if I was the Jets, I would probably be thinking about maybe shopping him. And again, I'm not saying that they should, but I'm just saying, like, is this something that you need to do? Like, I'm all about need versus, uh, you know, being content with the way things are. And like, the Jets have a lot of problems. They have a lot of issues. Do they need to just shove like a they, – do they need to roll out the Brinks truck and shovel like tons of money down Jamal Adams' throat right now? And I just don't think that that is something that they need to do at the moment. So I think training Jamal Adams would just be pushing back the rebuilding process another year or so. And I think in this time, especially this year, with Tom Brady leaving the AFC East, I think this is the biggest opening in the past 10 or 20 years of the AFC East. And I'm not saying that the the Jets are contenders, but I'm saying that this is their time to get their shit together and start contending because God knows what's going to happen. You have the Bills that are looking pretty decent. They, they're not 100% convincing, but, I mean, they, they're looking pretty good. They made the playoffs last year. And then you have the Dolphins, who are in their latter parts of their rebuild, got their quarterback of the future. Or, tons so of draft picks. Tons, of draft, saying, picks. tons of draft picks. I mean, they've made – good strides they got Matt Breida they got a good secondary in um Xavier Howard Howard. and uh they got Byron Jones from the Cowboys so I mean they're making good strides in that rebuilding process so I mean the AFC East this is the time for the Jets to step up and to take it and I think trading Jamal Adams would not be the right move and I think a safety like Jamal Adams, he is a once-in-a-generation type safety. I mean, he plays the nickel corner. He plays the nickel linebacker. He can play strong safety. So, I mean, he basically does everything for you. And not to mention, he's only 24 years old. Like, he, he's not even in his prime. And he's, he's one of the top defenders in the entire league already. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to try to trade someone like him, knowing that of what he can provide for you as a team. And I think with CJ Mosley, if he can finally get healthy and then you have Quinn and Williams on the defensive line now. So, I mean, oh, yeah. you have, you have good players surrounded by you. You also have Marcus May, who's a pre, who's a good uh, free safety next to you. So, I mean, you have good players around you. Obviously that offense has questions. They made a good draft pick with Makai Becton. And then obviously Sam Darnold, they have Le'Veon Bell. They've been making moves here and there, but, I, I think trading him would be a bad move for them. Um, and it's just yeah. because of the timing. The timing like, – let's say this was a year ago, two years ago, trade him. The Patriots are going to be the Patriots. You're not winning that division as long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are, uh, you know, that one-two punch. So, But now that he's gone, it kind of changes the whole narrative. Yeah. I mean, you made a good point, like, as far as, like, the timing – I guess, like, my whole thing is, is, like, the Jets um, seem to go through this cycle where they just start to get good or they they start to turn a corner and they start to seem as if they, they, they are about to do something and then all of a sudden the wheels fall off 
and then they have to rebuild again. And they have to start from scratch. And they have to go ahead and do everything again. But I guess my main thing is I have not been a – I do not trust Adam Gase. Like, 100% Jets, with you. 100% with Jets, you on that. Look, when they, when they sign Adam Gase as their head coach, Adam Gase, I just don't know, like, about him because – he made a lot of different decisions when he was with Miami that was very questionable. And he was notoriously known for trading away good players and was notoriously known from getting rid of players that, you know, like Miami didn't necessarily have to be in a rebuilding stage. Like they had like a lot of good players that could, you know, if you think about it, could be still on their roster. Maybe if Adam Gates wasn't the head coach at that time, but um, hindsight 2020, obviously, but like with the jets, um, uh, I guess, like, my thinking is just, like, you said, like, that this is the time. This is the time for them to, to to seize after it. But I don't know if they're in a position to seize after it. You know what I mean? Like, if, if this was, like, if they had, like, if they were, like, in the positions of the Bills, oh, then absolutely, I would say, like, yeah, just go ahead and pay him and uh, – or or, you know, come to some sort of agreement with him. But – I don't know if like right now they're going to be able to to do that because they're they're one of those teams that they're not bad but they're not good I don't either. know yeah yeah you know I, what mean, I mean I I agree with you on that but at the same time it's like if not now then when that kind of whole thing it's like and you're only taking a step back by trading him yeah you'll get you'll for sure get a first round pick that's a guarantee if you trade Jamal Adams um but uh, is is it worth it? I don't know. That's that's. The I, mean, whole I mean, I mean, I kind of I kind of think about like when the Raiders traded uh, Khalil Mack. Everybody said that that was a really dumb trade, and everybody said that they should have just you know paid him. But I mean, we look at like that whole situation. Like, don't get me wrong, Khalil Mack, great player, but like the Bears haven't won a playoff game bears have kind of been in limbo and like obviously like you know it's not all on khalil mack and i'm not saying like you know that all falls on him but i'm just saying that like the raiders haven't really like they didn't they didn't gain or like to me they didn't they seem like they 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 seem like they were okay um like it wasn't a big loss for them right exactly right right and and if anything they only gained more draft picks which right which we don't know whether those draft picks will be equivalent to losing obviously yeah obviously when you play the draft you never know what you're gonna get so like my thing is like with jamal adams is like he's a good player you know he is good i'm all about maximizing on your talent and taking hold of your talent and not letting your talent go for the cheap but if you're a team like the Jets and you're one of those teams that's kind of in limbo, you don't know if you're going to be good. You don't know if you're going to be bad. And they've been more so bad than good lately. Um, you kind of have to think, like, is it worth, uh, you know, splashing the cash and giving him what he wants? So, I, again, I hope, like, Jamal Adams, if you're listening, you are a beast. You are one of the best players in the NFL, dude. But 
I don't know. I don't know. You might have to. You might have to get rid of that green and white and and, and be ready to go to a different NFL team, bro. Well, if I'm if I'm Jamal Adams, I'm getting the hell out of New York. I'm talking about from a from a the Jets perspective. But yeah, if I'm Jamal Adams, I'm getting the hell out of New York because <laughs> I know I know I could be in a much better place. And let's actually talk about some of those better places that he can potentially be. And I think the number one suitor that everyone's been talking about is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys were able to add a Jamal Adams. That's what I'm like, saying. And it's like, obviously, they would have to give up is a first-round pick and then some, but he can definitely boost that defense. If you think about what Jalen Smith has done just in his, like, this past year, how much he's grown, Leighton Vander Esch is obviously a beast. And they just added Gerald McCoy. And, you know, they. I mean, obviously, they did lose uh, uh, Byron Jones, but – they they still have a hell of a team, and adding a guy like Jamal Adams will definitely do nothing but improve that team. Plus, you look offensively. Offensively, Lamb. Mm-hmm. I mean, still got Zeke Elliott. I mean, if the Cowboys get Jamal Adams in a trade, do you think that if they don't go to a Super Bowl, that is because of their quarterback? Well, that's something that we should actually talk about right now is before they even have Jamal Adams, I think the Cowboys have their own problems <laughs> that they need to figure out first, and that's uh, Mr. Dak Prescott. Um, there's a lot of – there's been a lot of speculation and false reports and all that Chris stuff. Sims, we're talking about you, bro. <laughs> Chris <I know>. Sims. <laughs> but there's reports that Dak Prescott wanted a four-year deal instead of a five-year deal that the Cowboys were offering, and they were offering, what, $175 million or something like that. He wanted that over four years, which would make him an average earning of $45 million a year. And the highest-paid quarterback right now is Russell Wilson at $35 million a year, and apparently he turned that out – or turned that down, uh, according to reports, which if he did actually turn that <laughs> if he, down – If he, he turned that down – uh, he's look if that was real and he fire, turned that down fire I, agent fire yeah, agent look i think a lot of people are going to be looking at Dak Prescott and wondering they're offering you that contract about to make you the highest paid quarterback in the NFL and you said no yeah are you stupid or are you dumb <laughs> but uh those those reports came out to be false after um of course but uh yeah both sides have until July 15th to reach an agreement otherwise July that 15th. franchise tag will be uh, slapped onto Dak Prescott. I mean, if you think about it, it's not that bad. The guy's still going to earn $31.4 million a year. Of course, of course. But, but as a player, everybody knows this. Like, if, if you're a player, um, you, money is relative, but security is everything. Exactly. Like, you want to have that security. Having a long-term deal, like, you can be able to, you know, especially if you got, like, you know, kids, family to take care of, like, you don't want to have to be in a situation where you're thinking about, like, I got to uproot my whole living situation or I got to figure out how am I going to be able to see my kids or how am I going to be able, like all that type of stuff. Like that plays a role and that plays a factor into these players uh, when they go into like contract negotiations. And with Dak Prescott, a lot of people are saying, like, just go ahead and slap that franchise tag on my dude. And if I'm the Cowboys, you have to maybe think about that. You have to con- you have to at least consider it because if he's not okay, if he's not your guy, which all intents and purposes I'm seeing, because why would they sign Andy Dalton if he's if he's their guy? It's a red rifle, baby. I mean, why would you sign Andy Dalton if 
you're just like we well, trust that they're, they're, they're claiming that they he's a content yeah he's a yeah he's a contingency plan i get it yeah but at the same time like you're signing a no, guy who's you. been a, yeah he's he's look andy dalton's been a notable starter he's been a guy who you know hasn't won a playoff game but like i said notable starter in the nfl for years why would you go ahead and sign him to a one-year deal if you are saying in the media, like Jerry Jones and, all, and everybody in Cowboy Nation is saying, like, oh, we trust Dak, we love Dak, we, you know, Dak Prescott's our guy, but you might be saying that, and that be not, you know, that that's good lip service, but your actions speak louder than your words, like, right? So, well, I mean, uh, if I'm if I'm the Cowboys, that that franchise tag is looking a lot more appealing because you also have to think about it in this perspective. They just brought in a brand new head coach in Mike McCarthy. Of course, so of it's course. like, so, will yeah. they even gel with each other? Like, is, is, is exactly you don't want to you don't want to give like him a long term deal right now. Like, if Jason Garrett was still the head coach, it'd that's be a different, different story. It'd be a different yeah. story. Yeah, um, but. He's got to get maybe acclimated to a new system. Exactly. Um, obviously, you still got Kellen Moore over there doing the offensive play calling. But at the same time, you you just have to factor in, like with Dak Prescott, people love to say that Dak is trash and Dak is this and Dak is that. But outside of Lamar Jackson, um, Mahomes, Mahomes, Watson, Breeze, Watson, um, you could maybe honestly, honestly say Dak is top five. You could maybe say that. You could maybe say five. he's that fifth dude. You're you could maybe Brady say too? he's. What about Brady? Brady, uh, I'm talking about based off of last season. Based off of last season. Well, yeah, if you're basing it solely off of last yeah, season. Solely off of, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying about. Yeah, I would, I would even, like that. I would even possibly put him in the top three because the guy yeah. has 4,900 yards and 30 touchdowns. I mean, he did so have 11 I'm, I'm picks, saying, like, everybody says, look, everybody says Dak is trash, but he does all he can to put his team in a position. It's just the thing is, is that is he in that same bracket as Mahomes and, uh, and, and Lamar Jackson, or is he like a Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan? Matthew Stafford, guys who making tons of money, and they'll flash here and there, but and and have had good seasons. But can I rely on them to get me a ring? No, I, I mean cannot. if you can't if you can't even win the division last season with the number one offense, I mean that that's why you can't solely put it on Dak, obviously, because yeah, it has the number mean, one offense. But that's what I'm saying. Like everybody but, always rags on Dak, but I'm like. They have but, Zeke. They have like Amari Cooper. They have, you know, like they got all these different weapons. Michael Gall, like they got all these different weapons, but it's all on Dak's fault. Which I mean, like, I mean that's a, that's, that's to any that's team. A, if you, yeah, that's a gift. That's look. That's gift and curse when it comes to playing that position. Like exactly. you always are going to get all the praise and then like all of the just criticism when things go wrong. But I'm just saying. Don't sleep on this man, Dak Prescott, because, I mean, like, this dude, Dak Prescott, should have some respect on his name. Like I said, you could argue one of the top five, Kush just said, one of the top three quarterbacks last season. So, I rescind I mean, like, that. I forgot about Russell Wilson. I rescind <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Three. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. I rescind But definitely, three. to me, a top five. A top five. Like, at least top five. So, I mean, Dak Prescott, um, 
But do you think do you think he's worth being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL? Because right now it's Russell Wilson. He's making an average of thirty five million a year. If you look at well, then well, if he's going to be the highest paid, let's compare him to the dude who's already there. Russell Wilson has already won a Super Bowl. Granted, he had a very outstanding defense to help him to win that Super Bowl. He had a run game. He had a legendary head coach in Pete Carroll. I mean. He had everything that could possibly go right go his way versus when things have gone wrong, he's still gotten his team to the playoffs consistently. Last year's a perfect example. So Last I mean, year, everyone was no running running off, not, yeah. even, not even putting him in the playoff race, and the guy went 11-5 and five and was – I think he was number two in MVP voting. After yeah, the and, then, and, then you, and then you look at, like, his run game was average at best. <laughs> so, I mean, like – um, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I would not make Dak Prescott the highest paid quarterback just because I don't think he's better than Russell Wilson. If you think, if you think your guy is on the level of a Russell Wilson, if he's on the level of Lamar Jackson, if he's on the level of Patrick Mahomes, go for it. By all means, go for it. I mean, if you want to like, you know, just go ahead and just pay your guy like crazy money. Cause I mean, like everybody knows the quarterback position is, one of the most, if not the most important position when it comes to football. But I just don't see how you can say that. I don't see how you can say that like Dak is better than Dak's, Russell Wilson. Yeah. I just don't see. Well, like, also here, that. here's another thing to take into perspective is if you do franchise tag him this year, the quarterback value, his market value is going to soar through the roofs. Because think about it. Mahomes is going to get paid. He's going to for sure be the highest paid. Deshaun Watson is going to be right behind Mahomes. It honestly depends on who gets paid first. Yeah, I see thing. what you're saying. Yeah, I see so, what you're saying. I mean, if those take two the lesser, guys yeah, take, take the less, Yeah, take the lesser so if two those evils. Two, pay him now versus having to pay him later. Exactly. Is what you're saying. And, and, and the, also the thing with Dak Prescott, his resume is not bad. I mean, he's – He's played. He hasn't missed a game. He's been sixty-four starts out of sixty-four games. He's been to two. He's won Pro a playoff Bowls. game. Been to two Pro Bowls. Twenty sixteen offensive rookie of the year. Forty and twenty-four as a starter. And he, yeah, like you said, he's won or he's had two playoff experience. But the only problem is he hasn't gotten past the divisional round. Right. And it's like you need that quarterback to you know push you over the hump, kind of a thing. And it's he's twenty-six right now, so he's still young. Still probably hasn't even hit his prime yet. But I mean how how large and small is that window you know because you're gonna have to pay him and, and, or can he, to... and do you think he gets do you think Dak Prescott has room to get better honestly no <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean not saying that doesn't that's not knocking him off of the player he is right now I think he's a great player but I just don't see him improving in any way if he does improve it be because of Mike McCarthy and the offense that he implements and potentially that run game opening up more of the passing uh, game for Dak and potentially so it's kind of see the thing is it's not making Dak better it's the pieces around him like they just added CD Lamb that's definitely going to make Dak better they just added Mike McCarthy that'll make Dak better so I mean it's the pieces around him that is going to make him better it's not necessarily Dak himself that can get better that's my perspective on him for sure yeah I think that like you know obviously like with football there's so many different elements you know that helps the team in order to position themselves to win like we're saying like it's not all on deck that the Cowboys have not 
gotten to a Super Bowl these past few seasons, but um, quarterbacks do make a difference as far as like they can make a huge difference between winning and losing. I should say um, they're not the sole de- uh, determination, but they make a huge difference. But um, I, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see any reason to go out of your way and do it. But if the Cowboys do, maybe like you said, Jerry Jones thinking ahead, maybe he's already thinking like, okay, you know, Mahomes is going to get this. Jackson's going to get this. Uh, he might be looking around already thinking like, let's just go ahead and give Dak this uh, $45 million real quick and uh, see what happens. Right. But I think also if you, uh, if you do sign Dak to that big deal, the whole reason of them trading for Jamal Adams in the first place is because Jamal Adams didn't get paid. So it's like, who is your priority right now kind of a thing. So if you do trade for Jamal Adams, it's like, did you just trade a first round pick and maybe not even sign him to an extension because he's asking for too much kind of a thing. So Dallas has a lot of shit they need to figure out. Um, but Jerry Jones, that's America's team. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for the first episode of the new nosebleeds podcast. Um, make sure again, to check us out on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all that good stuff. Be sure to give us a five-star like on Apple Podcasts if you have it. And if you're feeling generous, leave us a review. And that's going to do it. I'm Kush. I'm Corey. And we are out. Deuces. See ya. We out of here.